Second Peter, this morning, chapter number two, we're going to start at verse number one. Second Peter, chapter two, and verse number one. It's good to be back with you. Uh, appreciate uh, Jason and Wiley uh, holding the fort down, uh, preaching. We're thankful we got two good men that can, uh, that can uh, stand in the gap and uh, preach a good word. Amen. We're so glad. We're blessed to have them. It's good to be back, and uh, it was nice to, uh, I told several of you, vacation isn't the end of work, but it does, uh, a blessing of it is, is that it, uh, it, it stops the schedule, it makes you stop, it, you're no longer on a schedule, so I needed that, I needed that in my life, and thank God for it, thank you for giving us time, and enjoyed our time away, and enjoyed, we're glad to be back here this morning. Second Peter chapter number 2. In the first chapter, the Apostle Peter is, the whole epistle of 2 Peter, Peter is essentially dealing with uh, false teachers and apostasy. And apostasy is, is simply this, is that you, know, you know what the truth is, you know what the truth is, but you on purpose walk away from it. That's what apostasy is. And we are living in, a, in a, an age of apostasy where... People who know the truth are on purpose, eyes wide open, walking away from it on purpose. So the book of Second Peter is, is dealing with this subject of apostasy, of, of the church who knows the truth is on purpose, walking away from the truth. I, I rarely title my sermons, uh, Brother Bill, I think he does a great job. He, he waits till I preach it, then he puts a title on it. But I can't help but to think as I was preparing this sermon that this sermon is about false teachers, hurt feelings, and nausea. False teachers, hurt feelings, and nausea. In the first chapter, Peter, especially at the end of the first chapter, he is, he is rooting the Christian heart back into the absolute truth of the Word of God. In verse 20 of chapter 1, the Apostle Peter says, Knowing this first, that no prophecy of Scripture is of any private interpretation. Verse 21, For the prophecy came not in old time by the will of man. And so P Peter's saying this isn't a man-made gospel. It's not a man-made religion. This, that Scripture is breathed from God, and Scripture is the Word of God Scripture is not from the will of man. And so many of Christian people have began to deviate from this truth and begin to accept this, this lie that the Bible was written by man and therefore the Bible has imperfections and there's error in it. And we're so afraid to just stand the Word of God because we might get laughed at. We might, we might look foolish. We might not fit in. We might not be trendy. And the temptation is, is to compromise Scripture so we won't look foolish. And I'll be honest with you that contrary to Scripture, not only is foolish, but I think it looks foolish. And it comes from foolishness. But the Bible says in the book of Psalms, a fool has said in his heart that there is no God. And so that 
prophecy came, not in old time, verse 21, by the will of man, but, by, but holy men of God spake as they were moved by the Holy Ghost. And so we know that Scripture, according to Scripture, Scripture is, is breathed from God, moved by the Holy Ghost, who is God. And we can't help, I can't help but to think of John chapter 1, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was what? Was God. And then speaking of our Lord Jesus Christ, and what happened? And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld His glory full of grace and truth. Amen? And so the Bible is the Word of God. So Peter, he wants the readers to know that. So we... If you come to the end of 21, at the end of the first chapter, you are, you are reminded again, Christians, the position of Scripture is this, is that your Bible is the very Word of God. That is the position of Christianity. That is the position of Orthodox Christianity. That means, that means Christianity from the beginning. That means mainstream Christian thinking for the past 2,200 years has been that Scripture is the Word of God. That is Christianity. That is our position. That's my position. That's the position of this church. That, that's what we affirm and believe and we're, we hold to this. And so we are, I could say this, couldn't I? That I and you as Christian people, we are bound by Scripture. We're bound by Scripture. We're not... That we, we might... Even in my life, it's come up. It's come up. It would, be, it would be more convenient for me to disobey Scripture, even sometimes in ministry. It, it would save me a lot of trouble to go against Scripture. I've had so many feelings hurt because I've been bound by Scripture. I've lost relationships and friendships that have, have become tainted. It's become awkward because I wasn't allowed by Scripture to do something. We are bound by Scripture. We're bound by it. And so, don't be shocked if Christianity, which Orthodox Christianity, Biblical Christianity, is bound by Scripture. I could say this a lot of times, in a lot of cases, I'm not allowed to. You see, I'm not allowed to. Because Scripture teaches something contrary to what I want to do. And Bryson, we was, he didn't know it. I was working on the sermon throughout the week, and I talked to him throughout the week, and uh, I, I'm reminded of the story, and I think I've shared it with you before, but there was a gas station down the road from Bryson's house, and there was old, an older man there, and the name was Conley Sharp, and he, he was the owner and operator of the gas station. And it's the la it was at the time the last gas station before Norris Lake, if you went that way. Conley Sharp was and still is a Christian because he's in glory now. And he would not sell alcohol at his gas station. And he didn't want people to buy a bunch of alcohol and get drunk at the lake. And he felt like that that was contrary to Christ and contrary to his, to his, to his beliefs and thus contrary to Scripture because whoever is deceived by that is unwise. And he didn't want a bunch of foolish people out on the lake. And so one day a woman walked in the store and she said, where is the alcohol, the beer? And he said, I was told not to do that. 
And she, she said she was shocked because, you know, in the state of Tennessee, it's perfectly legal. But again, we are bound by what? Scripture. Amen. So even, even if, this, this isn't even the sermon. This might be a two-part one. Even if, even if it would be more convenient to go another direction, to save your own skin, to maintain your own reputation in your circle of friends, and is it not hard to, it is hard, isn't it? Difficult to say, I, I can't. According to what? According to Scripture. And don't you feel this way sometimes? I even wish it wasn't like that because it'd make my life a whole lot easier, wouldn't it? But Jesus said, if anybody seek to come after me and follow me, what did he say? Let them first deny himself, take up their cross, and follow after me. If you're not willing to do that, Jesus said, then you can't be my disciple. And why would he say that? Because you can't call me Lord and Master and Savior if you don't do the things which I say, according to the book of Luke. And Conley Sharp said, I can't, I can't sell that. Why can't you? I was told not to. And she said, who told you that? And the old man said, and I disagree with this, but I understand, his, I understand why we've gotten out of hand by this statement, but he said, the man upstairs told me that's who. What is he saying? He's saying, I have an authority over my life that supersedes the freedom that the state of Tennessee allows me in this earthly life. I'm bound by Scripture. I'm bound by the Word of God. Martin Luther, the reformer, who was on trial for his, his scriptural conviction, and he's correct, that a man or a woman is justified by faith apart from works. And he discovered in Scripture four times it is written, the just shall live by faith, not by any works of righteousness which we can do, because our righteousness is what? It is as filthy rags, isn't it? That's our righteousness. It is filthy and even if we assert that it is good, that if we're trying to be righteous by our own works, then what we are asserting to God is this, is that God, you owe me something because I am good. But God owes you nothing. Nothing. No wonder the apostle through the inspiration of the Spirit of God said, for by grace we are saved through faith and that not of our Selves, not of ourselves. Martin Luther, if you don't recant of this blasphemy and what the world calls blasphemy, Scripture often calls truth. Truth. And Stephen, a man full of the Holy Spirit and full of wisdom in Acts chapter 6, that preaching deacon, full of God's Spirit, I mean just tore up and eat up with God in a world that is completely contrary to the Gospel of Christ. He's standing before his family and his friends and his Jewish culture and his Jewish nation and he's telling them, which prophet have you not stoned? Which prophet have you not killed? Even Moses, you said of him, who made you ruler over us and the Christ who you rejected, he is the anointed of God and Lord of all. And Stephen's accusers in Acts chapter number 6, the Bible says, they gnashed at their teeth. 
and they covered their ears and they picked up stones and they stoned Stephen because he said something they didn't like. He said something they didn't agree with. The Apostle Paul comes along, who was to beat all, holding the coat of those who stoned Stephen. And after Paul's conversion, which Jesus makes a difference, don't he? After Paul's conversion on the road to Damascus, when he was living out the reality of 2 Corinthians chapter number 5, that old things have passed away and all things have become new, when he was living that out because he'd been resurrected in the Lord Jesus Christ and he had believed on Jesus and he'd sur- he had surrendered to Jesus and the Apostle Paul is running into the same spirit of the world that stoned Stephen and, St- and even Paul was in on the deal. And Paul said, why, why are you persecuting me? Why have I become your enemy? Because I tell you the truth, the truth. The Lord told me not to. Scripture. We are bound by Scripture. We are to affirm Scripture. Even at the cost of our reputation, even at the cost of our friendships, even at the cost of our lives, because we're bound by Scripture. Scripture, I'm not allowed to. Sometimes I would say, I want, I say, I wish I could. I wish I could. But if Scripture doesn't permit it, who am I to make a new God and a new religion and to live contrary to the truth that set me free? Amen? I don't have that authority, do you? I don't have that authority. And neither do you. You don't have the authority. You don't. I was reading the other day in the book of Micah, chapter, chapter number 2, verse number 11. And Micah said to his people, and they didn't like it either. They didn't like him. Because he spoke the truth in a world that created their own truth and was contrary to their truth. And men love darkness rather than they love the light because their deeds are evil. And this is the condemnation. Not that Jesus said, I come to condemn the world, but that the world is already condemned because the light shines in darkness and it exposes their error and they won't have it. They won't have it. Made up their own rules, didn't they? You can make up your own rules, but the book of Jude calls you a filthy dreamer. That's what it calls you. You can make up your own rules, but the book of Jude says that God's condemnation has been ordained of long ago, that you're a filthy dreamer, you're a thundercloud without no rain, you are useless and vile and wretched, and Paul said if anyone preaches another gospel, even we or an angel from heaven or any man contrary to the gospel of Jesus Christ, let them be accursed. The word accursed in Galatians chapter 1, verse number 8, it's anathema, it means eternally damned. That's what Paul said. Let them be eternally damned. What, what are we getting at here? You can't make up your own rules. You can't. You can for a little while. Micah said, chapter 2, verse 11, here's what he said. He said, 
It's, it's amazing. Don't you love even the sarcasm sometimes of Scripture? It's like the Lord J.C. says, you think you know, but you don't. Your dad ever do that to you? That's what they'll do. Amen? That's right. Micah, in a generation that's losing its mind, because they, they know that they're like the, they're like the, uh, the heir of Balaam. He's going to do what he wants to do no matter what God says. And finally the Lord says, fine, go on, ride your little donkey. Go on and try to curse my people. Go on, God says, I want you to. I want you to do it. I'm tired of you wanting to go your own way. Fine, do what you want to do. Go on and do it. Fine. Romans chapter number 1 They became unthankful in their hearts and their wicked mind, their imaginations were wicked continually and they denied the faith and they worshipped the creature more than the creator, became unthankful. They began to lose the natural affection between men and women and God gave them up to reprobate minds because God says, fine, do what you want to do. Create another God, fine. Make another save, you're fine. But there's not another name given among men under heaven whereby men must be saved. There's not another. Quote Micah chapter 2, verse 11 already, okay? I'll paraphrase it. Micah said, while they're laughing at him, he said, I bet you if a lying prophet came to this generation... And he prophesied about wine and strong drink. If he prophesied about beer and about liquor, if he prophesied, in other words, about what you want to hear, if he told you what you wanted to hear, if he said what you wanted him to say, if he acted the way you wanted him to act, then you'd say, oh, that's my preacher. That's my prophet. Amen, brother. Preach on. Amen. Amen. Peter said, in the last days, there'll be many deceivers come. Many deceivers shall come. They'll go their own way. And Paul amended in 1, 2 Timothy chapter number 4, in these last days, people will heap to themselves teachers having itching ears. And they will not endure sound doctrine. They'll hate it and despise it and ridicule it and mock it and laugh at it, and roll their eyes at it. You know why? Say, hey, hey, Brother Josh, you're you're living 40 years behind. Hey, Brother Josh, you're 100 years late. Hey, Brother Josh, you're way outdated. You know, the second oldest religion in the world is man-made and man doing what he wanted to do because God wanted a blood sacrifice and Abel provided it and Cain went his own way through the work of his own hands and Abel's was received and Cain's was rejected. And you know what Cain did when his scripture was rejected? He killed his brother Abel. He killed him because he said, I'm making my own rules. Scripture. We are bound by Scripture. Don't be shocked when Scripture is contrary to the eternal Word of God. Don't be shocked when Christianity stands against the new rules of this age. Don't be taken aback. Don't be offended when Scripture says something to this generation. 
If God spared not the angels that sinned, but He chained them up for eternal destruction, if God spared not the old world, saving Noah, the eighth person, if God spared not Sodom and Gomorrah and burned them for our example, Peter said, then what in the world makes you think if He spared not the angels that sinned, and He spared not the old world that sinned, and He spared not Sodom and Gomorrah that lived contrary to the Word of God, if God spared not them, and He spared not His own people, His own nation, and led them away to Assyrian and Babylonian captivity, and wrote Ichabod over the house of God, and tore down the walls of Jerusalem, and tore down the walls of the temple twice, if God spared not them that sinned, then what makes you and I think that He'll spare this godless and adulterous generation? Yeah, but we got new rules, preacher. Yeah, that's fine. That's fine. But if, if there was a prophet that came along and said, do this and do that and live contrary to the truth, why the world would say, that's our preacher. Amen. That's the new word. That's the new way. We're going to read our text last. Look at verse number 1 of chapter 2. But there were false prophets among the people, even as there shall be false teachers among you, who privily... I believe God gave us this message this morning. Listen, I believe God gave us this message this morning. I believe God gave us this message this morning. Okay? I believe I know I was troubled over it. I was concerned over it. I was wrestling over it. I was worried over it. I, I, was, I was even a little bit frightful over it. You know why? Because I'm just a man like you are. Just a man. There'll be false prophets. There was false prophets among the people, even as there shall be false teachers among you. The Word of God, moved by the Holy Ghost of chapter, of chapter 1, verse 21, God says there will be false teachers among you who privily, that secretly, quietly, subtly, truth mixed with error. So you could say, well, he does say this right. But then there's error. Like Andy Stanley, he's a blasphemer, an apostate. He's the son of a good preacher who just passed away named Charles Stanley. But Andy Stanley, he said it doesn't matter if the Bible is all true as long as it's mostly true. That's what he said. Listen, the Word of God is all true. And if you affirm that Scripture is just mostly true, then who's going to decide the part that isn't mostly true? And then we're going to have divisions, and we're going to have divides, and we're going to have arguments, and we're going to have heresies, and we're going to have sections, and groups over here, and groups over there, and we're going to start affirming all kinds of things because we don't know any longer, do we? I heard him the other day. He said this. You still with me? He said, he said, that, he said that evolution and theism are compatible. He says that the Genesis account, here's what he said. He said the Genesis account isn't how God did it, but it is that God did it. He said it's, it's not that God's not describing how he made the world. He's just wanting you and I to know that he did it. And Andy Stanley said the reason why he, God did that is because you and I can't understand him. That's why he said. I believe it literally. I believe that God made the heavens and the earth. And in the beginning... God made the heavens and the earth. 
Now I want to show you the problem if that is true, what Andy Stanley's saying. If that is true, then the scripture in chapter 3 of the book of Genesis where it says that God saw everything that he made, it might be chapter 2, God saw everything that he made and he said it was good. No, he said it was very good. And evolution, if evolution brought us Adam, that means there had to be life before Adam. There had to be life and death before Adam. And then God could not say that everything he made was very good Because really, God was just trying to get it good until he ended up with Adam. It also denies the genealogy in the book of Luke where the Lord Jesus, who came from Adam, then the Lord Jesus, really, he came from a single-celled amino acid struck by lightning in in a pool of acid rain millions and billions of years ago. And even scientifically speaking, I'd just like to see a big old mountain of transitional fossils, wouldn't you? Just one or two of them would do, but there's not hardly any or no evidence to the contrary. In the beginning, God made the heavens and the earth. You see the danger of this? Just a little bit of error and most something mostly true. Look what happens in verse number 2. And many shall follow their pernicious ways... That word pernicious means injurious and destructive. Many people will follow their injurious and destructive ways by reason of whom the way of truth shall be evil spoken of. What happens next is that people start buying in because it's more convenient to have a word that you're not bound by. So people flock to this new word And the way of truth then is evil spoken by them. People who are deceived by false teachers, they start mocking and laughing the people who are following, for the sake of the argument, orthodox Christianity that believes that every word of God is the word of God. And we're mocked and we're ridiculed by those who are deceived by false teachers. And what happens to these people? If you look at verse number 20 in chapter 2, and I'm closing, it says, For after they have escaped the pollutions of the world through the knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, these are people who are deceived, they again entangled therein and overcame. The latter end is worse with them than the beginning. The Bible says this about people who knew the truth and walked away from it. It had been better for them not to have known the way of righteousness, verse 21, than after they have known it to turn from the holy commandment delivered unto them. Look what happens in verse 22. So false teachers hurt feelings. They don't like it. They create their own way. And look what happens in verse 22. The truth makes them so nauseous. Verse 22, but it has happened to them according to the true proverb. The dog has turned to his own vomit again, and the sow that is washed to her wallowing in the mire. And here's what they say. If you go back to verse 19, they say, I'm finally free. I'm finally free. Look what happens to them in verse 19. When they're in the mud and they're licking up their own vomit. Verse 19, while they promised them liberty, they themselves are the servants of corruption. For of whom a man is overcome of the same, he is brought into bondage. They say, I'm free, I'm free, I'm free. But God looks at them, you're wallowing in the mud and the filth of this world. And you say, you're free. 
You, you spewed out the pollution of the world. You heard the gospel enough to say, I'm going to go this way, but it wasn't mixed with faith and it didn't convert. And you turned away from the world for a little while, just a little while. You rejected the pollution of this world for a little while, but a false teacher said another word. They had another idea. They saw a dream. They had a feeling. Something became more convenient to them. It became, it became less taxing and less, it, they became, uh, it became easier to follow this other way. And everybody's going that way, and it's just easier to go that way. And so what happens? Peter said it'd be better for them if they never even heard the gospel. Because they first rejected it. And then a false teacher comes along and a new movement and a new idea and a, and a new discovery. And they go back to what they spit out. And they lap it up like a dog. Lap it up. The pollution of this world. Anybody got a dog? Nobody? You know, hey, you got a lot of trouble, don't you? I got a dog. I told you my dog eats rocks. Big rocks. He's a weirdo. Your dog's weird too. Say amen. Weird. We're a bunch of weird things, have a bunch of weird pets. You know what? My dog eats nasty things. Nasty things. I do. I tell my kids, I don't know if I'd let him lick you there in the mouth and the lips because I just saw him over there. I saw him over there. And you know what the Word of God says about folks who first headed towards Jesus but then heard something over here that you know, a new age, we become a little bit more educated since you heard about Jesus. We become a little bit more enlightened since you heard about Jesus. But the Word of God says that Jesus was the Word, is the Word, and the Word became flesh. And the book of Colossians says that there is, not, there is nothing in the universe that was made that was made except by Him and He spoke life into existence and Jesus is the eternal Word and He's the eternal God and He's the eternal author and the finisher of our faith. But hey, somebody new come along though. Said something that can help you to live a little bit easier, Jason. A little bit less consequence. Right? Ain't that how it works? You could live, Jason, with a without so much drama in your life. You don't have to be bound by Scripture. You're just reading into it wrong. You can, you, can, uh, you can go this way and still be in the name and the umbrella of Jesus. Now I'm about through. I've told you before, some people, they think they're following Jesus, but it's just somebody else named Jesus. It's, it's a Jesus with the same name, but it's another person. It's a whole other person. We got a sherry back there that's different from this sherry. We got two sherries in our church. We got a third sherry. She's ill today. You can pray for her. We got three sherries in our church. They got the same name, but they're three different people. And just because somebody says that Jesus is in it, if it don't line up with Jesus' word, who is the word, then that's a Jesus with a different name. But we're not talking about the same person. Two different people. Two different people. And the world says, you ought to come along this way. We've become smarter and more brilliant, more enlightened and 
more educated. To me, the world's losing its mind. It needs to get on its knees and repent and beg the living God for mercy and believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and follow Him because He is the way and there is no other way. And He's the only hope of this godless, blasphemous, pagan, adulterous, drunken world. It's Jesus Christ of Scripture. He's the only hope. He's the only hope. He's the only hope from experience. He's the only hope historically. He's the only hope through power. He's the only hope through love and grace. And some mock Christianity and they say, well, you're just full of hate and condemnation. The gospel don't come to condemn the world. The world's already condemned. The gospel says, come to Jesus. That's the gospel. The Bible says in 1 Corinthians chapter 13, is it verse number 7, that charity or love doesn't rejoice in iniquity, but rejoiceth in the truth. In the truth. In the truth. And God's given us a warning this morning. Every preacher... Every Sunday school teacher should be tested by Scripture. The Word of God in your lap is the authority, the only authority over your life. And you know, I've misspoken before. I've said what I wanted to say the wrong way before, even from up here. But I'm glad that even when I misspeak, this Word the eternal Word of God is the corrector, the rebuker, the teacher, the God, and the hope. Everything must be checked by Scripture, by Scripture. That's the warning today. That's the encouragement. Try every spirit and see whether it be of God. If it don't affirm Jesus Christ then it must be rejected. And let it be accursed, as Paul said. It's another gospel, and there's only one gospel that can save. Amen? Now listen, I'm not saying, I'm not saying, nor is Jesus, that you better be perfect in your theology. I may be in error about some things, and you are too. You've got some biblical beliefs that are in error and wrong. But listen, I might be in error, but I'm not a heretic. I'm bound by Scripture. Amen? Bound by Scripture. Haven't, haven't you done this? I'm closing now. Ten minutes ago. Well, we're heading there. My, Madison on the way to the beach, Virginia, she said, are we almost there? Twenty minutes out of Knoxville. We are twenty minutes closer. Are we almost there? Didn't you, Maddie? Are we almost there? We're getting there. Finally, I said, yeah. yeah. What does she know? I mean, she has no basis to understand. Yeah, we're almost there. Listen, we're almost to the end of it. We're almost there almost there. The book of Jude, I wanted to bring you a passage and we're arriving at our destination. The book of Jude, chapter 1, there's only one chapter. Verse 17. Jude, who spoke about apostasy, also said, But beloved, remember ye the words which were spoken before of the apostles of our Lord Jesus Christ, how that they told you that there shall be mockers in the last time, who shall walk after their own ungodly lust. 
These be they who separate themselves, sensual, having not the Spirit. But ye, beloved, building up yourselves on your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Ghost, keep yourselves in the love of God, looking for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ unto eternal life. Now what's that mean practically? Whatever Jesus affirms, whatever Jesus says, and all that Jesus is, keep yourselves in that. Amen. You know why Jesus can't affirm sin? Because He died to save sinners from their sins. You know why I believe even in that God created the heavens and the earth? Because Jesus said that God created the heavens and the earth. You know why I believe in eternal in a flood in Genesis chapter 6? Because Jesus said, not only is there fossil evidence, not only is there geographical evidence, not only does Pangea make sense now, not only does the Ice Age make sense, not only does it describe that the fountains of the earth broke up, not only does it say in the chapter 1 of Genesis that there was a, 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 there was a firmament of space between the waters below and the waters above, not only does it describe that the world was different back then than it was now, and even the, even the skeptics admit that, Not only does it affirm that, but Jesus says as it was in the days of Noah, so shall it be in the coming of the days of the Son of Man. If Jesus said there's a flood, there's a flood. You say, you're going to believe every word that Jesus said? Yes, because Jesus said they will kill me and bury me and on the third day I'll arise from the dead. In Romans chapter 1 verse 4, declaring himself to be the Son of God with power by the resurrection of Jesus from the dead. I believe every word that Jesus said because he was dead and he was buried and he arose from the dead declaring himself to be the Son of God. We could speak of the evidence of that, but we're running out of time. Amen? Keep yourself in the love of God in a world that is turning away from him. We are bound by Scripture. Amen. Scripture. Let's stand to our feet. What song are we going to sing, Bryson? 137. Page 137. We are bound by Scripture. We're bound by Scripture.